Um, I wonder if we might grab a few Bibles, actually. Um, going to get into John 15. It'd be good to have it open in front of us. There, if you've got a Bible, grab it now. If you've got a Bible app, you might want to open that up. There are some Bibles at the back, and they'll be coming out, um, so do feel free to grab one of those. And uh, if someone, someone's got a page number. John chapter, John chapter 15. And if someone does have a page number, that would be awesome. 1053, 1083 in the church Bibles, 1083. It's John chapter 15, the vine and the branches. Uh, I'll just give you a second to look that up. This time last year, we did John 17, the work of the Spirit, which is sort of going back into this upper room discourse. Remember what's happening here? So Jesus is spending his last moments with his disciples. He's about to go to trial. He's about to go to his death. He's got his last sort of sesh with his disciples. It's called the Upper Room Discourse. It occupies about four chapters of John, right through from 13 uh, to 17, I think. So we're in the middle of this section where he's speaking to his own, his beloved, his disciples, his 12. And uh, let's read it. I'm going to read just eight verses, and I think they're on the screen as well. This is Jesus. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Right, a lot going on here. I'm going to try and get it into a few sort of bite-sized chunks for us, but work with me this morning. We're going to go on a bit of a journey. Let's start here. Let's start with this thing first. It is God's desire that we bear much fruit. That is the heart of God for us, that we bear much fruit. Let me show you that from two verses. Verse 8, the last one we had, let me read it out again. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit and show yourselves to be my disciples. A little bit later on in the passage, verse 16 is probably quite a familiar one. We hear the idea again. You did not choose me, says Jesus, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, like that. So I want you to imagine apple tree, and uh, imagine you talk to apple trees and apple trees talk to you. And this apple tree that you've uh, gone up to and started to speak with is having a bit of a midlife crisis, wants to buy a sports car and get Botox and things like that. And this apple tree is lamenting the fact that it doesn't know what to do with its life, is upset and lost its way and all these kind of things. And then In that moment, you sort of take the apple tree by its branch 
And you sort of, I don't know, you turn your head sideways a little bit, put on a slightly softer voice and say, look, your purpose, your role here is to produce wonderful apples. That's your, that's your role. That's what you're supposed to do. It's to bear fruit, bear fruit, bear good fruit. Now, of course, it could be argued, you see, that trees do lots of things. And they do do lots of things. They provide shade, a haven for birds and wildlife and insects and that sort of thing. They produce oxygen and they look nice. They're good to paint and draw and things like that. But they're really, if you get down to the brass tacks, the, the purpose of that tree, that apple tree, is to bear fruit. Produce fruit, produce apples. And similarly, when Jesus addresses his disciples, when he's got his 12, when they're there, if you like, when God takes our hand, when God holds our hand and sort of turns his head, side, his head sideways and says, look, he's, the message is, you were meant to bear fruit. It's what you were meant to do. Fruit that lasts, good fruit. And in so doing, the Lord's saying, and in so doing, show off the character of God, to, show, to be my image bearers, to bear forth the fruit of love, joy, peace. By the way, that is what I think he means, Jesus, when he's talking about fruit here. And I'll tell you why. I'm not just jumping straight to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, just because it's the same word, um, but because of the flow here in, John, in John's Gospel. He starts in, verse, uh, in chapter 13 saying, I'm going away. So he says to his disciples, it's a very sad moment, he says, I'm about to leave you. I'm going to go to my crucifixion and death, and then I'm going. I'm actually going to leave this earth. And his disciples are very sad about that. But John chapter 14, he says, don't be sad, because I'm going to send a comforter. My Holy Spirit will come and be with you. So don't, don't fear, don't worry. So I'm going to go, chapter 13. I'm going to send my spirit, chapter 14. Then chapter 15, be fruitful. Right? So I, I don't think it's too you know, outrageous to suggest that Jesus has got in mind the Spirit's work. Here comes the Spirit. The Spirit has come amongst his people, come amongst his disciples, and he wants them to bear fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, the fruits of the Spirit. Now, so that's what people should see when they look. When they look at Christian people, when they look at me, when they look at you, they should see, ah, there we are. Just like you look at a tree and you go, oh, it's apples. It's an apple tree. You ought to look at a Christian person and say, ah, I can see from their fruitful life they belong to a loving, joyful, patient, faithful God like that. Now, I want to suggest to you that this is a liberating truth, right? That this really is. I don't want this to come across as something, oh, right, Here's another list of things I have to do this morning that I'm being told from the front. This is what my life should look like. Let me put it to you like this. Right? I don't know if you're the kind of person who writes lists at the beginning of a new year and sets yourselves goals and things like that. You might be the kind of person who journals and does that sort of thing. I'm not particularly. But having said that, I still do in my head at night think to myself, oh, I've got to do that. I've got to got to preach better sermons this year, got to sort those ministries out, got to do this and that, got jobs to do, things to sort out like that. I do, and I don't know if you sit there or lie there or whatever and think, oh, I've got to hold down the job. I've 
got to get that promotion this year. I've got to get that recognition, whatever. I've got to sort the kids. I've got to get them into some clubs. I've got to do that thing. I've meant to sign that form for Mrs. So-and-so. I've got to organize the house. I've got to organize the car. I've got to sort... I've got to be with family. Really should go and see that person. Really should go and do ministry. Really should show up at that thing at church. All these things, they kind of bore away, don't they, in your head. They do in mine, anyway. And it's quite, oh, it's quite a lot. Now, the, the word here is, the Lord's like, all right, all right, I know there's stuff to do. There is stuff to do. But here's the really important thing. It doesn't matter that you're running around a thousand miles an hour. What is important is that you bear fruit. Right? So you might get the job. Praise the Lord if you do bear fruit in it. But you might not. That is not what is important right here. What is important is if, if you get the job, show self-control, humility, bear out that sort of gentleness. And if you don't go the job, patience, joy in the Holy Spirit. That is, you know, we're called to bear fruit. Even if you're lying sick in bed, as I know lots of people have, you know, banged up with isolation and whatever, had to be at home, lying in bed, feeling quite poorly. Even there, you can't do very much. You can't get out to the shops and do stuff and run around and cater for things. But you can still bear fruit, even lying there, just displaying, showing off, even in your trial, even in the difficulty, the joy, the peace. The faithfulness of God like that. I made you to bear fruit. The really important thing, more than our lists. Now I know, church family, I know there's things to do, right? There's, we've got lots to do. Lots to do in our own personal lives, lots to do in the church, lots to do in work and family, all those things. I'm not sort of... But the Lord's holding us by the hand this morning saying, no, the key thing is whether or not those things transpire, whether or not you get the things sorted, bear fruit. Okay. Now, let me just touch. I'm not going to spend too long on this, but this is just my second thing here because I can't ignore the fact that we have two verses, which, well, a few verses here, which are, it just it draw our attention. The Lord says, this is what Jesus says, uh, I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Let's just linger on that for a moment. So, we'll get into a minute what it means to abide in Jesus and bear fruit in him. But let's just see here that there's another, there's another actor, that the Lord, the Father, God the Father is involved. He's the gardener. He is tending to the vine and the branches, making sure he wants them to be fruitful. And it turns out, by the way, that you do have to do this to plants in order to make them fruitful. Rod, poor bless him. Where is he? Rod, <laughs> every now and then, Rod gives me a plant. I think he's given me a tomato and a chili thing, and they just come to my house to die. Because... Uh, <laughs> What I want to do is just put them in the ground and then just leave them there. <laughs> and come on, where's the tomatoes? 
Whereas if you go to Rod's house, Rod and Joe's house, it's like a botanical garden. So you sort of walk in, wildlife just pops out from everywhere. There's like animals all over the place. Because Rod, <laughs> like me, he's down on his hands and he's tending to the, the bushes and the, you know, the tomato plants so that they bear fruit. Right, so that's the image. God's the gardener and he's tending to his plants. But it involves, it does involve a cutting cutting off of things, and this is what gardeners do, isn't it? Branches that aren't bearing fruit, they are cut off. And those that are bearing fruit, they're pruned, cleaned, so that they bear more fruit. Now, Jesus is saying this, I think, to his disciples, because just think what they're about to face here. They're about to face a Judas situation, which is going to be extremely difficult to tackle. There is Judas. He is about to betray them. He is about to walk away and hand over Jesus to the authorities. And therefore, he's going to show himself to be someone who, yes, he was with Jesus. He prayed with Jesus. He was with the disciples. He maybe, maybe he did miracles in Jesus' name. And he was there, and he looked all along like someone who was in it to win it. And yet, he's going to show himself in the end, in the end, he's going to show that he was there really for his own personal gain. He was looking to make advantage. He was looking to get money. He was in this for himself. In the end, that's going to be seen. But that's going to be difficult to take. And it would cause, wouldn't it cause you as one of the disciples to be upset, angry, feeling like you should deal with something here? There was, um, I've just been watching like a docudrama about the opioid crisis in the States. And um, there's this moment, it was the, of the whole series, the moment that really got me riled was um, there's a, one of the characters is addicted, heavily addicted, and going to, going to the, um, the, the recovery group, which should be a safe haven, right? That should be a place of safety, blessing, recovery. You know, it should be a place where she's coming clean. But in the midst of that, there's a dealer. It's so tragic, and there they are. Their, their purpose for being there really is to sell drugs to those people who are trying to get off them because they know they'll be sorely tempted. And it's just, it's that moment in the show where you're like, oh, this is, this is unbelievably bad. This is so bad. And you know, church family, we sit, this happens, right? In church life, things can be extraordinarily disappointing from time to time. And there's a temptation, isn't there, to do something about it. But here we're learning, Jesus is teaching his disciples the Father is the gardener. He's the gardener. He knows what's going on. He'll deal with it. He will deal with it. That's his work. That's what he does. And in a sense, you can leave that. He does that best. Right? So let's let God be the gardener and deal with his vine. It's both a comfort and encouragement to his disciples. Of course, the warning is implicit in there. 
because Jesus was hearing this. Right? Jesus heard this just as much as everyone else. So there's a caution, there's a warning here. But it's also a comfort. Right? Expect this, this is going to happen. This will happen from time to time. The Lord God is the gardener. And then the second thing is he prunes, he cleans. Right? He takes that vine and he makes it fruitful. But it's a, it involves secateurs. Right? That's a blade. And so he's saying to his people, Jesus is saying to his disciples, look, the Lord wants to snip off those parts you know, of us that are destructive, that are not helping. They're not giving us cause to bear fruit. And so there's a work to be done, and it uses a blade. The word of God, isn't it, is a sword. When we gather at times like this, when we're in church or whether we're in you know, a home group Bible study, and the word comes in, and it's like, oh, ooh, got me. Because I just wasn't gracious. Even though, God, you've been so gracious to me, I was not gracious to that person. I was so hard-hearted and bitter. And then the word comes in. Oh, it's like a secateur's pruning. So Jesus is saying that's discipleship. That's part of the Christian life too. The Lord wants to because he's after fruit. So Jesus is saying these things, I think, as an encouragement. The Lord is the gardener. He wants to do this. He's tending to his vine like that. Okay, and then this, the last and, the, and the, sort of the biggest point, this is the place I want to land before we come and have communion together, bread and wine. We do this. We bear fruit. How do we bear fruit, right? That's maybe, maybe that's the question in your mind. How do I bear fruit then? Answer by remaining in Jesus. We're the branches. He's the vine. He is the vine. We're the branches. And we remain in him. Now, let's just tease this out a little bit. Jesus could have used lots of metaphor here. He, you know, there are fig trees around. He could have used a fig tree. I'm the fig tree. You're the branches of the fig tree. I'm an olive tree. He chose the vine, and that's significant. So let's just go on a whistle-stop tour through the Old Testament just to see why that is really, really, really significant. Otherwise, you'll lose it. It will just kind of be lost. Think of Adam and Eve, right? Let's just go way back here. Adam and Eve, there they are in the garden, meant to be image bearers. They were the original man and woman who were bearing up the image of God, image bearers to bear fruit. But they failed. And they walked away from the Lord. And so, subsequently, the Lord calls a whole people. And he calls them Israel, and he calls them to bear fruit. Let me just quote you Psalm 80. I think we've got it on the screen. This is, uh, this is Psalm 80. Listen to this. You transplanted, you brought a vine out of Egypt. He didn't bring a vine out of Egypt. He brought a country. He brought a nation of people, a nation of slaves out of Egypt. But it says here, you brought a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. You took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade. The mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea. It shoots as far as the river. The purpose of the Lord taking this people and planting them in the promised land was that they would bear fruit. They would be a vine. They would bear fruit. They would show off the character of God and the nations would see it. That was the point. He was their vine dresser. They were the vine. 
They were meant to be a kingdom of people who bore fruit. But what does the Lord find? This is the sad story, really, of the Old Testament. What does he find when he looks at his people? This is Isaiah chapter 5 now, the prophet Isaiah. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty, see there it is, is the nation of Israel and the people of Judah are the vines. See that? He delighted in. He looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. He looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. That's a very brief summary. But the summary really is, you were meant to bear fruit, Adam and Eve. You failed. You were meant to bear fruit, my people Israel. You failed. That's the story. And it feels like, you know, it feels like humanity on a down escalator. Do you ever stand, um, do you ever do this when you're by the escalators? And uh, you, the down escalator, you're trying to go up, and the down escalator's in front of you. Have you ever, do you ever fancy going up? That one, do you ever do that? Anyone done that in adult life? <laughs> Your kids want to do it. You're like, no, don't do that. It's quite fun, but don't do that. <laughs> and, uh, and if you try and do it, it's hard. It's really hard, isn't it? You can try that escalator. They're always quite, the, the pitch of the steps is pretty big as well. So you have to really pick your knees up to get up there. I've tried. Um, humanity, in lots of senses, really, not just in showing off the character of God, but in all kinds of senses, you feel like we're on a down escalator. You can try really, really hard to be patient, make a bit of progress, sort of maybe go up a few steps. But what happens is when you stop, just like when you're on one of those escalators, stopping doesn't mean you stay in the same space and then you can sort of carry on from there. You kind of just sink backwards, it gets worse. It's like that with loads of things, isn't it? It's like that with, I think of my French. I learned French at school. I haven't practiced it, so it's, it doesn't stay where it was. It gets worse. Now my French is atrocious. Or if you, I don't know, you play tennis, stop playing tennis, get worse. Stop, right? And our bodies, right? Just slowly on a down escalator, like that. And our attempts at fruit bearing on our own, showing out patience, feels like you're on a down, down escalator, doesn't it? Feels, it feels really hard when you do that in your own strength. And that's the story of the Old Testament. The people God has made, humanity, on a down escalator, and it can't, you just can't do it. You can't produce the fruit that God requires. And then in steps Jesus. See? And says, I am the true vine that's why he put the word true in there where all other vines have failed i am the true vine and my father is the gardener so in the midst of the failure you see when we can't do it jesus is like i see the struggle i see your difficulty i see how hard it is i see that you're unable to do this to bear fruit I have good news for you. I am the true vine. And you are the branches. And by attachment to me, should you be attached to me, 
then my life will just naturally, right, organically flow in. It will begin to flow in. That's what happens, doesn't it, with vines, with the stem and its branches on its own. Like the branch is useless, can't do anything. You sort of, well, you don't plug it in, do you? But branch that's, the, the branch that's attached, those nutrients, right? The goodness, the life, the enabling, the water, all just, it all just seeps in. The branch doesn't have to suck it out, right? It just, it goes in, right? The stem provides it, in it goes. And the branch is given life to bear fruit. The image here is such an intimate one that I just want to, I want to just dwell on this before we close up. It's a, the, the relationship here between Jesus and his, his people is more intimate, really, than anything we can conceive of even in our closest relationships. So if you think of, you think of someone who might be very, very close to you, if, if I thought of the closest people to me, probably my family, right? I would think of someone like my wife or my children. Now, I can, I can influence them Right? Because we're close and they know me and I know them. I can kind of, you know, I can say things, I can encourage them, I can influence them like that. But this is, this is a deeper metaphor than that, isn't it? I can't, so I can't, my, my life, if you like, think of myself and my kids, it's not that my life is kind of coursing into them. It's not that I'm sort of, um, my life is welling up within them or they're participating in me and I'm participating in them. It's not like that. I can influence them. I can certainly tell them things. I can encourage them. I can kind of cajole them and all sorts of things. But it's not that my life is kind of flowing in. But that's the picture here. And I'll back it up for you. It's not just, I'm not, you know, because preachers can be in danger of pushing metaphors really hard, right? Let's just use this metaphor to really push it to the absolute max. Let me just give you some scriptures just to show you that the idea Jesus has for our relationship is a really, really deep one, right? So here's just a few. Yeah. Ephesians 2.13, you have been united, united with Christ, once far away from God, now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Romans 8, the Christian has the spirit of Christ living within them, even though our bodies are subject to death, right? Even though this body here is dying, the Spirit is giving life because he lives within us. That's just Romans 8. Colossians 3.3, 3, listen to this one. You died, your life is now hidden with Christ. In God, that's who you are. Inside, think of like a Russian doll. You're inside the life of Christ in God. And then this one, this is just a... This is just a glow-in-the-dark verse for me, right? 2 Peter 1, 3, you'll know it. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate, participate in the divine nature. See that? So the idea of a Christian with the Lord 
is one of united in unity with God, participating in close with like his energy and power like coursing through us as a vine stem sends its nutrients and power and enabling into the branch. We call it, sometimes the word is used, regeneration or born again. It's, it's something completely new. It's like a heart transplant. Now, let me just say then, right? So the business of bearing fruit for us as a church and as Christians is to be close to Jesus. That's the key, right? Be in him. Abide in him. Remain in him. Remain in his words. That's the priority. If I want to bear fruit, it's not just I've got to just run at a thousand miles an hour, as it were. It's I've got to be close to him. Abide with him. Remain with him. Let his words abide in me. It's what he says, isn't it? Let his words, let his life might be prayerful. It might be during this time of communion together. In a moment as well, there'll be some prayer ministry out to the side here. If you want to take that up, that might be an opportunity just to come forward, take bread and wine, walk out to the side here. There'll be some trusted friends out to the side who could just pray that in with you. Maybe the Lord is doing some pruning right now. And it's difficult, and you just want some prayer about that. Or maybe you're being shown, I ju- I'm, I've, I've been a long way from Jesus and I need to abide and be close to him and know his life like coursing into me again to bear fruit that will last those would be great prayers wouldn't they so use this time and even as we take bread and wine let's just say this even there the image isn't it is body and blood into our lives like it actually goes in we're actually going to eat something in a moment there it is again the living christ his life coming in so that we bear fruit so that we're empowered let's pray father god thank you for these scriptures these wonderful wonderful scriptures this text which encourages and sustains we pray lord as we go into this time of communion together you would have us abide in you and you would be in us by your spirit coursing through us into us that we might bear fruit to show off the love of god the joy of god the peace of god the patience of god etc today and every day. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.